DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. How many things have you seen to compare to what the Aggies and Sam Merrill just did? Wow. Tim was, uh, what a week. And uh, he uh, he left an uh, indelible imprint on that game. I mean, he basically shoots 29 for 50 scoops, scores 83 points, makes big baskets. Uh, you know, well, the more you watch him, the more I think that he can play at the next level. Uh, he's got size. Uh, he's just—he's got the whole package, and uh, for them to go back to back, get to the tournament, win the conference—it's never easy winning conference tournaments. And uh, you know, I know they were picked this year to win the league, and then San Diego State was kind of the surprise team, but they got it together late, started playing their best basketball, and uh, yeah, Sam Sam was incredible, and he's got some veteran guys on his team that and some size that. Uh, when everybody knew they were going to be pretty good, they just kind of went away and didn't play like they did. But uh, they picked the right time to play well, and there's another team you don't want to play in the tournament. You've been there yourself, Steve. What kind of adrenaline rush is it? How could you possibly describe what these guys went through because you went through it yourself and, and what this time is like right now for them? You know, I heard Sam say yesterday, you know, I mean, he was just spent physically. I mean, the the night where... Uh, the night before a game where, you know, he wins that thing and, you know, the adrenaline rush, and you can't go to sleep. I mean, you literally, you just cannot go to sleep. In fact, the best rest you probably got, and it was not the night before, but it was after shoot-around, they had a little something to eat, and hopefully he got about an hour, hour and a half nap <laughs> because uh, it is for coaches, everybody. I mean, it's just, there's, you have to prepare so quickly, and you've done a lot of preparation before you even get there because you've played the teams before anyway. And uh, so, and, and I think the other thing too is they got Wyoming uh, in the second round of that, which uh, had upset Nevada. Nevada had been playing really well. That was kind of a, a good break for them. And that being said, Wyoming played Utah State tough as well. So every game was competitive. The New Mexico game could have gone either way. But when you get through that, you just when it's all said and done, and you get home, you're just drained physically and emotionally drained and. Now you get the excitement of preparing for an NC2A game. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. So they're in the tournament probably as a 10 or 11 seed. They cannot be sent to Dayton, so they'll go in with a Thursday or Friday opener. And now they got a while to kind of calm down. Do you think this long layoff, given all the energy they spend, is a good thing? Or does it bug you when teams have this much time off that they're not in a rhythm when they get back into the tourney? No, I, I think that would be fine. It, this is a veteran team. It's not a you know they've they've got senior leadership in this team, and they've got guys that you know they've been there before. I mean, they were there last year, and uh, off the top of my head, I cannot remember what they did in the tournament last year in that, in that first game. But uh, I think the time you need to just kind of decompress. Uh, you're going to get all sorts of tape and things <clears throat> taking a day or two to watch every, you know, all the tendencies and everything about their opponent. So now they'll be fresh. They're ready. And they're, it's, it's a long year. And this time of the year, especially when you go through a three-game tournament, that's like, that's like three weeks instead of one week. And so 
uh, it'll be good for them. Veteran team, they'll they'll handle it well. And uh, you know, like BYU, I, I think this is a team. I don't, you don't want to play this team. I mean, they're they're not going to beat themselves. And uh, you know, it's kind of like the old Utah teams. They never would beat themselves. You you, you got to go out and beat them. They take care of the ball. They execute. They run their stuff. Uh, so yeah, Utah State. Great confidence to them, unless they just get a really bad seed. Uh, and they're never going to be, like you said, a 10 or 11. But oftentimes, that 5, 12, 11, 4, those seeds sometimes, those are winnable games. So you got round three here now with the St. Mary's and BYU. A little bit different from San Jose State. Utah State, because Santa State had won both of those games, and then the Aggies get him in the tournament. Here they split and both games, one overtime without Yoli, and then even with Yoli, uh, they came right down to the last second, and Hawes hits the big shot to win the ball game. Uh, is there anything that you can see that each team can exploit the other in whatever advantage, disadvantage, or is it just a matter of you got to go out and play and just hope you make a, maybe one more play than the other guy. You know, I, I think looking at St. Mary's, I start, you, you think about what they've gone through. Uh, you know, I, I've watched this team play for a number of years, and uh, they don't take bad shots. They tempo the ball. Uh, they're not. They're typically not going to beat themselves. Uh, I, I think we're probably concerned that Jordan Ford is exhausted. And but again, same deal. You know, if, if they had had to play the next night, it'd been a different deal. But getting that Sunday off and getting fresh again, uh, I, I think St. Mary's strengths are they really defend well. Uh, they're they're not going to get out of their system, uh, and, and and that can that can be a good thing and a bad thing. You know, I mean, a guy, a guy like Ford, a guy like Fitz. Who went for 29 against BYU? I think that was that he was he was kind of the guy that kept St. Mary's in that game. But they're well coached. You're going to have to beat St. Mary's. They're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to turn it over 17 times. And, and BYU doesn't apply that kind of pressure anyway. And so turnovers would be just from sloppy pay and trying to do things that uh, you do maybe when you're trying to come from behind and and make up points. But th- this is a tough tough game for BYU. Uh, there, there are a lot of similarities. This is a team last year. St. Mary's had the biggest win in the postseason when they beat Gonzaga, uh, and you guys remember that game. So, th- this is a even though it, they've both been difficult, and BYU is playing really well. BYU will have to beat St. Mary's. St. Mary's will not beat themselves. That's just not going to happen. Now, whether Jordan Ford can go for forty again, I don't know. But the matchups are pretty good. Nobody has a real size advantage. I give advantage to BYU because uh, they, they've got a little bit more depth and they've got guys that, are, that have come off the bench and, and really made a nice contribution. So that's my feelings for St. Mary's, that, that, that the things they bring, the strengths that they bring, are they, they do have also have great chemistry. They know their roles. They've played together. They're in a system that they're, they understand. And Jordan Ford is the one guy in that system that has the green light to go and do what he wants to do. They don't have a presence like Yoli Child in the post. Uh, it's uh, you know they just don't have that. And so the advantage for BYU is that Yoli Child is surrounded with three or four outstanding shooters. 
So I, I gotta believe they're gonna go to Yoli early and often, especially in a tournament game like this where they've been waiting to play. You don't want to come out and all of a sudden be your first five or six shots, be three point shots. They don't go down. They're playing in a different arena. They've not played a game there yet. I mean, they played there last year, some of them. So I would think that Yoli will get a lot of touches early. And depending on how they guard that, they guard him just straight up and going to guard the three-point shooters, or are they going to double him, force him to give it up, and make the guys that uh, haven't played a game yet in the tournament make threes? Uh, I, I think you'd figure that between Toulson, TJ, you know, Barcello, Harding, they, they just shot the three ball so well that we just expect that. But uh, I, I, I'd be really surprised if this, if this game is a 15 or a 17 point game blowout. I just I just don't see that happening. This is now five straight incredible streaks for the Jazz, and on the broadcast they documented how it literally has never happened in the NBA before. There's nothing like a a five-game win streak after a four-game losing streak after a four-game winning streak after a five-game losing streak after a four-game winning streak. And so that's an oddity, but I think the most important thing is what, if anything, does it mean going forward over the last quarter of the season? Well... I think you know, look. You know, last week we talked about this, and, we, and I, I thought that you know they'd probably come back home three and one. They came back four and zero. Oh. Uh, I think Conley's play is uh, his confidence and going on. Sometimes I think it's easier to go on the road and be relaxed than it is playing at home when he's he's kind of Conley had been up and down and trying to find his groove and you know how he fit here, uh, but to, to go on the road and. Uh, to, to beat teams they're supposed to beat is never easy. And then to beat the Celtics at home, you know, I mean, obviously Jalen Brown didn't play and there was a few guys missing, but anytime you can go in there in the Celtics and, and win in Boston has to give them a great deal of confidence. So if you look at all the trending, losing four, winning five, I, I think they've come back now uh, after that road trip and they've got a great deal of confidence. And, you know, they've kind of gone away. They've taken, put Ningle in that second group. He's still playing 29, 30 minutes, scoring eight, Nine, five. You know, I mean, he, he's and then they got O'Neal back uh, starting, and you know, he's not giving him. A, I mean, he, he scored. I think he had twelve against the Cavs. He's not giving him a great deal of scoring, but again, it's it's a it's a chemistry thing. He's a better defender and a better rebounder. Uh, and when and when Conley and Mitchell are both scoring, you you can put a better defensive team there. And then of course. The, the second group comes in, and Ingles is going to play 25 or 30 minutes. And then, you know, with Jordan Clarkson, they've, they've got a better better second group. So uh, they're, I think they're in good shape. I mean, they got the Raptors. they got three games this week with the Raptors, OKC, and the Pelicans. And each one of those games uh, are, are games they can lose. And uh, I, th- I think that the Raptors, I, I'm not sure that, that everybody's healthy, but uh, – they're they're capable of beating the Jazz there. I don't know if Van Fleet's not playing for them. I, I don't see the Raptors winning at, at Utah. Uh, the, the, the toughest game of the three is is going to be at OKC, who I think, man, they have really overachieved. And you know, Chris Paul has played well. Uh, you know, Gallinari, uh, Schroeder, Schroeder, who comes off the bench. They've won three in a row. They're eight and two in the last ten. Um, that's that's a team that nobody expected when you lose Paul and Russell that they would, 
you know, be in a situation where they're in the sixth playoff spot by a long ways. I mean, they're, they've done really well. So that, that will be a difficult and challenging game. And then the fun game for everybody, I mean, who isn't going to want to watch Pelicans play? And I'm, I mean, I think even the, the Jazz players, Pelicans will be getting a lot of TV time with, with Zion and uh, a lot of the former Lakers, the pace they play. So uh, that, that will be an interesting thing to, to see how that goes. So it's a fun week. You know, you really got a great week. Two really good home games, uh, all capable of winning all three of them again. They keep they keep this up, and you know they're, they're going to put themselves back in a position to get, to to really get that four spot. They're only two games out of uh, of second place, so anytime you can get a home game, that I mean that, that's what you're playing for here. I mean, if Utah can get a home game, a home game series in the playoffs, they're going to. More than likely, it looks like it'll probably be Denver who's uh, not been playing great lately. Uh, but that's what you're pushing for. You get that first one at home, and then after that, you, you, you move on. So another fun week, and, uh, and hopefully they, they keep it together and continue to play with the confidence. But uh, if Conley and uh, Donovan Mitchell are on together, uh, this, this is the team that everybody expected to see. It, it hasn't happened a lot. But recently, it has, and if it continues that way, and they play with confidence, they are much more difficult to guard. Yeah, I have no reason to believe that this Conley play of late is a fluke. I have absolutely every reason to believe that this is who he is, and this is what we'll get the rest of the way. Agree? Yeah, I, I do. And Vadanovich is, you know, I mean, he went on that road trip at twenty-eight, twenty-two, eight, and thirty-two. So. Um, you know, you, you you get that kind of scoring. It, it's and especially when you go on the road and get that kind of scoring. And and sometimes I know that we understand that it's hard to play on the road, but mature type teams, good chemistry type teams that have talent, uh, they flourish in that setting. I mean, they're, they're relaxed. There's no pressure. And and the way the Jazz have played at home, uh, the players feel that. And uh, everybody else comes into the, in into Utah and they're loose and. And that's the way they have to play, too. I mean, I think coming off this road trip, winning all four games, uh, everybody's got a lot of confidence. I, I think we, we're looking at probably a 3-0 and deal here. I mean, they, OKC will, is not going to be easy. They, they, I'm really impressed what they're doing and how they've kept it together. But this is a, good, a great opportunity to maybe at the end, next week we're talking, uh, it's Utah in fourth place and it's Denver that's in fifth. Steve, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Yep, guys. Have a great week. We'll look forward to watching the games. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. The West all jammed up right now, PK, with the Jazz a game behind the Nuggets, two behind the Clippers. And the fourth-paced Jazz now just a game and a half in front of fifth-place Oklahoma, and the Rockets have slumped and dropped to sixth, which I would have absolutely bet against, and thank goodness I don't gamble. (laughs) because <laughs> I'd have lost it all. I mean, the bottom just fell out. What the heck happened? It's, it's really just what the know. Jazz felt, but just a week later. And maybe they'll pull it together yeah. like the Jazz did. I, I, don't know, I don't know what to expect there, which is actually my favorite thing in sports because when it's predictable and you sit down in front of a game, you know what's going to happen before it happens. That's not that much fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that, not completely, but to an extent, that becomes boring when it becomes predictable 
And we don't want that. We want the unpredictability. We don't know what's going to happen. And we want the Sam Merrill stand there and dribble the ball and then launch a three basically <laughs> at the buzzer. Although then the San Diego State come, comes back in the, from half court and the thing goes in and out. I know. I mean, holy cow, <laughs> that was unbelievable, man. I, I, let, I let out a little yelp with that. I'm like, ow! <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but for the Jazz, this has been outrageous. Now we're we're on top of the world. Last week they were in a slump. We uh, two weeks ago, two Thursdays ago, we didn't, barely even wanted to talk to Joe Ingles. It's like we had apologized for making him talk about losing. Now we can't wait to talk to him again on Thursday. Although we're not going to sure we're not sure what's going to happen on Thursday. You know, are they going to be coming off two more wins? Are they two more losses? Are they going to split? I don't know, but I sure know I'm going to be tuning in. Well, I think it comes back to what you said earlier about the Raptors. And if you missed that, we will get to that next. It's the Jazz and the Raptors tonight. And there's a couple key things to know about the Raptors. One, if you follow pretty closely, you probably already know. But the second one, a lot of you don't know. And we'll get to that next. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz won both their games over the weekend. They got a five-game win streak. They'll try to make it six in a row tonight at home against the Toronto Raptors. They're at Vivint Smart Home Arena, 7 o'clock on AT&T Sportsnet. The zone's coverage begins at 6 o'clock with the pregame show. Big games in the NBA. The Rockets lose again. That's four in a row. The Orlando Magic going to Houston. Dominate the Rockets. They're up by 25 at the half, 29 going to the fourth quarter, and they win 126 to 106. Giannis Antetokounmpo missed the game in Phoenix with the Suns. His Bucks lost. He's got a knee injury, suffered it Friday night in a loss to the Lakers. Team's calling it a minor joint capsule sprain. He will not play tonight. The Bucks are in Denver. That game's at 7 o'clock on NBA TV. College basketball tonight. BYU and St. Mary's at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. PK is there for the West Coast Conference semifinals. Game tips off about 9.30 on ESPN2. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. The great Craig Bullerjack. It's been an interesting season to this point. It's been up, down, up, down, up, down. Jazz win, what, 19 of 21. Then they drop five. They win four. They drop, you know, either you're winning or you're losing. But I think consistency's got to be there from here on out. The time of talking about we're still learning about each other, we have to figure things out. You know, time is starting to tick, and the games are starting to really kind of run away from you. So you can't afford uh, to have another drop. This is where you want this team to hopefully they've been through the rough time and now they figure things out and you make a really strong run and play your best basketball before the postseason catch hans and scotty every day from noon to three presented by your rocky mountain chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network join the big show thursday Three till six at the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. That's the warehouse. All right, PK, it is the Jazz and the Raptors tonight. The Jazz try and extend their win streak to six games. They're only a game behind the Nuggets. Probably try to keep pace, I would assume, without 
Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Nuggets would win at home tonight against Milwaukee. Toronto coming in, though, as you pointed out uh, earlier this morning, what is trending back-to-back. And when you were checking the box scores, what were the numbers that didn't just yell at you? They screamed and stomped their feet. Yeah, it was two things. Is the starters paid massive minutes. I think every starter played at least 36 minutes, and most of them were above that. And they scored 118 points. I think they beat the Kings 118, 113. Yep. And all but seven of those points came from the starters. So the bench only scored seven, which meant the rap, the starters scored 111, if my math is correct. Yep. And that's basically about the level of math that I can do. I have a third grade <laughs> level when it comes to math. And so, although I had to get out my phone and I used my calculator on that one, and that really jumped out at me. You know, we're not watching the Raptors from game to game, obviously, because they're way on the other side. But to think that the bench didn't give him much production. Jazz bench now is playing great. I mean, I can argue this is the best jazz bench they've had since fill in the blank. See, I think uh, that's the I think, you're, I think you're spot on there, 100%. I think that Conley playing so well and they've settled on the four guys around him and they basically play together as a bench unit plus Conley. You know, it's, a, it's now a nine-man rotation. That's it. Moutier's the 10th guy, and we may see him here uh, next weekend because there's a back-to-back, and I assume Conley will only play one end of it. Um, interesting to see if they play him against his old team, the Grizzlies, or if that's where they sit him, but we'll get to that at the end of the week. Um, so they got these nine games, or nine guys, and the four guys who come off the bench, plus Conley, that unit has been really good. I mean, that, that unit has just crushed people. That unit has really gotten it done. Uh, they've been very good together. They, there was one night on this road trip. I can't remember which game it was now. Was it New York or was it Boston? I don't know. They went in there, and Quinn just left them in. I mean, it was time to rotate guys out, and Bowler and Harper are you know, talking about it. like, I don't think he's going to do it because the bench is just crushing it right now. And he left them out there for, like, I think three extra minutes. Yeah, I think it was Boston because they got down by double digits early. You're right. And then the bench came in and rallied them and just flipped the entire complexion of the game. And I think what's great about it now is that everyone has settled into their roles. So you're not asking, oh, this guy needs to do this. He's underachieving relative to what we expect him to do. You take a guy like Joe Ingles. Okay, Joe, you know, he's probably not going to have a game coming off the bench where he scores 25 like he did in the starting lineup. But that's okay because what he's doing is he's having an impact on the game. And so... If he doesn't score, it doesn't matter as much as long as he's having an impact on the game. And what I mean by that is the way he impacts games, ball movement, spacing, pick and roll, uh, shooting from the corner, whatever it might be. So it's not exclusively, oh, you need to do this. Because with Conley picking it up, well, the scoring is going to be there. And with Clarkson playing the way he does, the scoring is going to be there. So I don't necessarily need to see Joe score anymore. Yeah, I can get by if he's only taken three or four shots as long as he's impacting the game in other ways and he's been able to do that and Tony Bradley has really increased his ability to impact the game so you look at Niang doesn't 
something's maybe a little bit more hit and miss, but it seems like, you know, he's a threat at least, so he can space the floor to a good degree, and if he has an opportunity to be wide open, he's probably going to be shooting close to 50% on his threes if he's wide open. So every guy that they've got in that rotation is finding ways to do his individual thing, which leads to the collective thing, and they're making an impact, and that's what we're seeing here. And so it bodes well just a week or 10 days after it looked like it didn't bode well. Now it is boding well, and we expect I expect it to continue because, to me, Conley's found his way now. So the off game should be the rare occurrence rather than the good game being the rare occurrence. Right, but that's the whole roster, and he's not one guy trying to carry a team or one or two guys trying to carry a team like it was in Memphis. So he has this enormous game against Boston and Friday, and you know, okay, he's probably not going to light it up on Saturday. But Bogey and Mitchell, their stat lines, their shooting percentages were not good on Friday. So you're going, okay, they're going to bounce back. And sure enough, Bogdanovich has a massive game, and Mitchell gets back to kind of what he does at 25 points a game. And I just say that like it's nothing, (laughs) and it's not. But Bogey went for 32. So it all works out, and they're undefeated on the trip. Now, to that theory of when you have a big game, you're probably not going to have another big game, Kyle Lowry in Sacramento was 10 of 15 shooting the ball. 67% is off the charts. He was 6 of 10 from 3. Is he going to do that again? Norman Powell, who you fans may remember, he's a UCLA guy, he's been in the league about 5 years now, he was 11 of 21 shooting, and he was 6 of 12 from 3. And he's the guy who played the most minutes. He played 43 minutes. You know, Siakam played 38, but that seems to be like what he does. He's Kind of beast mode thing. Now, maybe he can't do it back-to-back changing time zones. That might be too much to ask. But I just wonder if Lowry and Powell are going to shoot it that well. Because the other thing is, with Serge Ibaka, however many minutes he played, and it was 36 last night, he seems like a more traditional matchup that ought to be a little easier for Rudy to stay in the paint and really take away layups. I wouldn't think Serge is stretching the floor the way. Now, they may go to Gasol for more minutes because Gasol only plays 16 off the bench, and obviously he can shoot the three, and he'll, he'll move Rudy out. Yeah, I, I can buy all that. But to me, under the circumstances, and I put in quotations, under the circumstances, this game looks easier than it did a few weeks back when you're thinking, oh, the Raptors, man, they're flying high. Nick Nurse, he's done a phenomenal job. They lost Kawhi Leonard, and they're still rolling here. They're really good. And they are really good, and Nurse has done a phenomenal job. All that is still true. But it seems like as we arrive to game time, the opportunity to win, not that it seems easy, but it's easier than I would have expected, certainly a week ago or so when they were right. in the middle of their funk thinking, oh, my gosh, they're just going to be, by the time we get to St. Patrick's Day, they're going to be freaking buried. They're going to be in seventh place. <laughs> they're going to try to have to fight to hold off Memphis or New Orleans, whoever wow. it might be. This is getting out of hand. This is crazy. Where are they going to draft? How high are they going to get lucky in the lottery? That's the way my mind was working at that point. Okay, thanks for that. They're uh, they're fifteen. <laughs> their fifteen game win streak is in the rearview mirror now. That was uh, that was an awesome run, and that was the time not to play them. <laughs> that was the time to avoid them, and the Jazz did. Uh, since that win streak ended, they have gone five and four. 
So five and four in their last nine games with that with the wins on this road trip. This is going to be their fifth and final game on this road trip. They lost in Denver and then uh, cleaned up in Phoenix, Golden State, and Sacramento. As you would as you would expect, they took care of the three yeah. lottery teams. So they got a three game win streak now. Well, they're going to leave the country with an L. That's all I'm saying. Get out of our country and take your L and go home. Yeah. Well, they still have the third best. They still have the third best record in the NBA right now, behind the Bucks, the Lakers, and then it's the Raptors. Yak just told me to bring my mic down. I don't think it has anything to do with my mic level. No, I don't you know think it does I mean. either. I think it was you shouting. I mean, you're in it's Las Vegas. Shouting. We don't actually have to hear you from Las Vegas. We can just listen to you. You let technology do the work. You know I don't I mean? understand why you confuse speaking with passion with shouting. I never have. <laughs> KPK. All right. Anything else you'd like to add for this, the jazz preview segment of the show? You got everybody all dialed in for the Raptors tonight? I would suspect that I would see a, a lot of posters that say, Dear Mike, we're sorry. Love jazz fans. Oh, that's not going to happen. That, okay, that's, dear I mean, Mike, I'm sorry. Love DJ. <laughs> that's getting overplayed now. Come on. Even before he went you off in Boston, fifty percent of the what? Fifty percent of the people thought he was going to keep this up, and thirty percent thought he was going to get better. And then the other twenty percent, there's a bunch of Laker and Warrior fans voting. You can't. Those people get on social media and make noise. It's not that many people. People are aboard the the Mike Conley hype train. He's played well yeah. for a dozen games now. All I know is that you were upset when, not that they acquired Clarkson, but that Conley was not included in the trade, no. and we kept Exum. That's what you wanted. And, I mean, you would, and y'all can back me up on this, you would even suggest during commercial breaks that Conley just start shooting exclusively with his right hand. <laughs> that part I was totally on board with. <laughs> Right-handed only, Mike. All, all That's right. It. All right. Yes. You're done. You've worn out your left shoulder. And your left right. elbow. Yes, it's a whole career of that. You're going to have to shoot with the right from here on out. That's how it works. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's and what Tommy, you were saying. It just, Tommy John just surgery, a couple of weeks ago. Tommy John surgery for Conley, and away we go. And I kept saying, no, take a step back, <laughs> well, take a deep breath, you will be okay. It's your calm manner. That's who you are. You're not a guy who right. yells and, and makes the microphone peak and overmodulate. And, yeah, it doesn't happen. It just simply doesn't Not happen. when it comes to that. Yeah. And so you were really just bugging me, man. And I had to say, no, 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 no. And sure enough, it's, it's a, come to pass. He's ad. playing at a high level again. This is an ad now. No, 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 no. <laughs> I knew it would happen. I kept the faith. I stayed with it. It's always religion. And sure enough, <laughs> here we are. It's all about Mike. Mike is true. I know Mike is true. I'm just going to leave it at that. All right, someone explain to Mike what that means. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Joining us right now, Spencer Nelson. So the BYU Cougars, they've been able to really break through to not just be an NCAA tournament team, but I think they're a team that's very capable of making a run. If you were to see anything that gives you pause when it comes to tournament time, what would it be? Honestly, there's not a lot of holes in their game and their team. I'm with you. I think this team 
is built to make a run in the tournament. They have enough firepower to be able to compete with anyone in the country. I truly believe that. But I really do expect this team to be able to make the Sweet 16. And then at that point, it's just matchups. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. They're setting up Romero for a final shot. Tie ball game. Chance to win the conference championship. Sam Merrill against Fagan. Seven seconds, six seconds, five seconds. Sam rises for three. Yes! You've got to be kidding me. Sam, I am Merrill. Straight away three. 2.5 seconds left in the game. Sam Merrill is a freaking stud. Scotty G on the call as the Aggies win the conference tournament and punch their ticket to the NCAAs. Probably a 10 or 11 seed. Selection Sunday, they'll find out who and where. That's the Chevy play of the game. Know it today at 450, and you can win fabulous prizes on the big show. Now, let's find out who sucked. As the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, This guy sucks. Like a sucker punch. It's time to reward the losers in sports with another edition of This Guy Sucks. You suck. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What happened to the Houston Rockets? PK. Suddenly, the Rockets are sucking with four straight losses. And Russell Westbrook. I mean, I don't want to go all Miami Heat on you, but not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but eight turnovers. Harden chipped in four. Those two guys had 12 turnovers. They didn't just lose to the Magic at home. They got blown out, down 25 at halftime. Blown out. Never got back in the game. 12 turnovers. Sucking. We'll see if they break out of it. Got anybody you think who really sucked this weekend? Oh, yes. I've got like 47 people. (laughs) Every one of them who questioned whether Sam Merrill is not the best two-guard in the state of Utah since Danny Ainge at the collegiate level. Obviously, we're not including the NBA level. We're talking about the college level. I I turn on my Twitter notifications. I got so many resistance and put I, I i would have thought it was the democratic party the way the resistance movement was going so strong on this the resistance. i mean come on it is clearly sam merle and guys how about this not only was that an awesome shot but that was the second best shot in the history of utah basketball this side of john stockton's three in houston See, I was going to put it on the Mount Rushmore. The Fab Four buzzer-beating postseason shots. One pro, three college. Oh, you got Van Horn. Oh, Van Horn on the back-to-back nights. Oh, Ainge, too. Now we got to squeeze somebody off. Sorry, SMU, you're (laughs) gone. Ainge, Van Horn, Stockton, and now Sam Merrill. Well, I think you go... Yeah, uh, game-winning buzzer beaters. The Stockton ramifications has got to be there because going to the finals for the first time. He was wide Obviously, open. that's literally as big as it ever gets, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. 
we'd all agree on that. Ainge, that thing that I feel like not only did I watch it live, which I didn't, but I've seen <laughs> it so many times. I don't only feel that I watch it live. I feel that I was courtside. And I was nowhere near either. Was that down in Atlanta, if I remember? But they show that place so many times, as they should at the Marriott Center. That was the single greatest move play ever in college basketball history. So that clearly has to be on there. And the Van Horn one, the the SMU one was nice, but that was just a tip-in. He was right at the rim. And Andre threw it up to him, and he tipped it in. The next night against... Uh, New Mexico, which had two, if I remember, NBA players on that team, uh, Kenny Thomas and Charles Smith. They were really good. They were, they were they were literally NBA players. So that was a great New Mexico team. And the play, he had the volleyball, a tip it, turn his body and get in a shooting position. And the phenomenal balance for someone who's 6'10", that Van Horn did at that time, made that play and then shot it as if it was just a basic, probably a 13, 14-footer. But the the balance that he had leading up to that moment was just incredible. And then so, the, yeah. Yeah, and then the best part Go is ahead. that he borderline passes out at the end and is laying on his teammates, and they're staggering towards midcourt celebrating, his eyes are closed, and you're thinking, boy, they could just pull the chair out from under him right now. If they walk away, he's just going to tip over and hit the court. Mr. Sourpuss... Rick Majerus, who the night before <laughs> walked off the court with steam coming out of yeah, his head. Yeah, he's furious. <laughs> and then that night, he does the uh, – They don't. Toyota doesn't do that campaign anymore, right, where you jump and you punch the sky. And you, yeah, and he tried to do that. And could you get the Sunday paper under his feet? The sweater came out a little bit. But he was He pumped. had some gravity issues. Yeah, he was fired <laughs> up, though. He thought right. that was a big freaking win, and he enjoyed it. And you're right. It, it was. was. It was 180 degrees different than his reaction the night before. Like, you losers should have never even been in a close game with SMU. Right. I hate you right, right now, and wait till I get you at practice. Dang it, we got a game yeah. the next day. He wanted to have a practice to crush them for that. Right, and then the next night the, in the title game against TCU – uh, Van Horn goes off for like so, 37 or so something. Sam Merrill bumps Van Horn then. That's how it's got to be. A contested three. He was fouled, as as he let the whole world know afterwards, over the uh, the alley-oop to him at the rim. To Van Horn at the rim. Oh, oh over, the, over the SMU one? Yes, yes. He bumps yes. him off Mount Rushmore. Move on. That particular play, yes, I would say so. And there's probably a bunch of Jazz fans are talking about some other thing that happened in the 80s and late 70s when the team moved play, here that yeah, I have but, no but these idea. Are all playoff, these are all postseason buzzer beaters. Because they're regular season buzzer beaters. Was it? Uh, I don't know if it was your first year here or the year before you got here. Byron Wilson hit like a 15-footer to beat BYU at the buzzer in the Marriott Center. Quiet 20,000. Okay, that was the year before you got here. It's like 54, 53. It was an ugly, low-scoring game. You know, Roger Reed and Rick Majerus were the only two guys who were loving it. They thought it was basketball. It was most beautiful. They love the defensive stuff, right? And then Wilson hits his 15-footer to win it. But that was regular season. It was in January. It's not the same thing. Agreed. And there are other big shots. Randy Reed went... <laughs> <laughs> no, not Randy. Uh, Robbie Reed. Robbie Reed, when Roger was calling a play in a close game at the Huntsman Center, <laughs> Robbie way, looks over at his dad. No, we're not doing that. Waves him off and then hits a three straight away to win the game. But there was 30 seconds and two possessions left in the game, so it's not the same thing. 
Right, the buzzer beaters. This thing, and a team that had only lost once. I guess Sam wasn't a buzzer State. beater because there was two and a half seconds left. Uh, Enough time for the Aztecs to have the half quarter go in and out. Boom, boom, out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Close enough, but though. That, it, it, it's, it's close. It, if it's under three seconds, we're counting it. That's the new rule. If you, Arbitrary. If you look it up, and I, and, I, and I searched the annals of the Basketball Hall of Fame, buzzer beaters count as under three seconds. Thanks. I went back and researched it online. And what is what clarifies as a buzzer beater? If it's under three seconds, and then the team does not get past the timeline. <laughs> now, I'm just making stuff up, but, you know, what the heck. Whatever. It works. All right, DJ and PK, anybody else who sucked this weekend? Uh, Hatch, you got anybody you want to add to the list? You guys pretty much nailed everybody I had Well, people on, people on Facebook and, the, yeah. and Westbrook for turning it over eight times. Well, they also had some fun at the expense of Harden. So and four. The quad, well, the, it was earlier on in the weekend, the quadruple double. He got made fun of by the, the Hornets <laughs> announcers. Yeah. There was the quadruple double, 10 turnovers. It was pretty fun. And I'm also getting, and I got this some on Twitter, direct messages, that Kevin Nixon hit some buzzer beater. Oh, he did. In, uh, 92, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it was, before I, was the, it was right before I got here. Yeah, the whack That tournament. was more of a fluke, though. That was a three-quarter Yeah, quarter but still, you, you hit that in the, in the conference tournament. Was that a semi or was that the final? I think it was the final. I think it was, but I don't know. It was before I got here. I think it was against you. I'd have to double check that, right. but I, I think it was the yeah. final. But the, it was a little I behind. Mean, that was a phenomenal the shot, right side. but it was it was more of a That's heave. Cool. This was Sam Merle staring you down. Okay, guys, there is everybody is on the floor, everybody in the arena, everybody watching it on television knows I am going to take this shot, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, right? And, I mean, you, you, once you get down to, like, four seconds, they make no attempt to double him, nothing, and he just stands there, dribbles out the clock, and then just rises up and puts it in. I Come on, man. That was so freaking sweet. And he's a local kid. It's just somehow it means more when you're a local kid, too. And you went to Utah State, and you went there, and so much change, a coaching change and everything, and your leading scorer the one year transfers out, and you stay because you're a local guy, and you're loyal to the program, and here your senior year, you're doing that after you serve a mission and supposedly you serve those missions and you're never the same when you come back as, as we hear. You look at all the great players, not all of them, but the two greatest players in BYU history since we've been around and, and they didn't serve missions. Is it, as, is it an accident? No, I don't think so. And he served one and he comes back and he does that. And Donovan Mitchell tweets at him. Come on, that is fairy tale stuff right there. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.